we are going to now have a chat with Jill Upton and Sally Scarborough. Good morning to you guys. Hey, Simon. Hey. Um, Simon. Hey, Sally. Let's let's hear a little bit about, we just had a chat earlier to uh, to Andrew Thomas, Sally, and um, you obviously know each other and uh, and, and knock around together uh, in part around uh, in the Hunter, but um, you're living in Newcastle these days. Yeah, I get a, the best of both worlds, really. <laughs> I'm um, during the week up in the vineyards, um, and then on the weekends I have the beach, so... Um, living the dream. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Jill, have you, you've got some questions, um, I assume? Absolutely. I'm just thinking, yeah, from, from from surf to vines, I think that's absolutely perfect. I'm quite the same, so I'm a massive water baby, and that's why I live on the Gold Coast on the beach. Um, but uh, wine's my passion and kind of my life, so it's it's nice when you can mix them together. Now, you're, you've been called the Chardonnay Queen for quite a few years now. Um, I'd like you to talk about, about how you've actually achieved that status. Well, I don't know if I can take that um, credit fully just for myself. I think it's part of being in the Scarborough family um, more than anything. Um, <clears throat> I think that we as a as a family sort of started the business uh, 32 years ago, or Ian and Merrily um, started the business 32 years ago on really based on, I guess, the, the Chardonnay boom that was happening um, at the time. Um, and I think, you know, mum and dad very cleverly sort of realised that there was... Um, really a, a place for an aged um, Chardonnay, um, which is showing, you know, lovely, rich, full characters. And I guess that's really what we've built our name on, um, is a, a style of Chardonnay that's always aged and shows, I guess, those lovely uh, sort of fuller characters that you get when you're, when you're growing um, a variety like Chardonnay in the Hunter. Um, and I guess my appreciation as I got a bit older has, has grown from that. I've been really lucky over the years to try many styles of Chardonnay from many regions, um, you know, here in Australia, but also internationally. And I guess that's where my love of Chardonnay's come from. It's, you know, such a versatile variety. And I guess, you know, we in the Hunter make, um, you know, quite a definitive style, but we also in our sort of range of wines have quite a few different styles from a, a lighter um, sort of, you know, almost non-oaks kind of style um, full to, you know, through to a fuller, richer style as well. So you actually uh, lived and worked in the Napa Valley for a while. How many years ago was that? Oh, gosh. Okay. So that was when I first left university. So it was in the late 90s um, that I was living there. Um, I had the opportunity to live there because while um, mum and dad were setting up the Scarborough Wine Co. business, we also had, um, well, they also had a business which was a mobile, mobile filtration business, which was here in Australia, but then also in the off-season we would ship those that machinery over to the States um, and sort of work in the Napa and Sonoma kind of areas um, filtering wine. 
Um, and it was sort of a technology which at the time, um, you know, wasn't seen and Dad had actually helped to develop that technology. Um, you know, it's something which you see around a lot now, um, RDF filtering. Um, but at the time it was, you know, a new technology. Um, so I was lucky enough to be under 21 at the time, so I got a green card. So that enabled me sort of when I finished university to travel and, and work in, in the Napa for a while, on and off for quite a few years. It, it sounds like, um, just touching on uh, how innovative your your family seemed to be, you were awarded um, the Hunter Valley Award for Innovation this year, and it was, uh, if I'm correct, it was uh, in, it's responsible for the vision behind your Scarborough's response to the COVID restrictions, which were put into place. So can you talk to us about that? Because that's a very interesting award to be recognised for, but not, not just to actually win the award, but... Um, to actually have something like that within the community is, I think that's that's pretty impressive. So what did you guys actually do? Yeah, so when we first went into um, sort of, you know, at lockdown last year, um, it was the first time in 32 years that we'd actually ever closed our cellar door for, uh, you know, any amount of time apart from, you know, Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Um, so we just kind of thought, well, you know, we want to be able to still keep in contact with um, all of, like, our really loyal customers. And so we just had the idea of putting together some tasting packs. Um, so <laughs> quite often... Um, I'll come up with a bit of an idea like that and then I'll bring it to the table and I can't understate how much my brother Jeremy, who's also our winemaker and viticulturist, actually made my, um, you know, thought process come to life. <laughs> um, so essentially what we do is we package up um, our wines and we uh, decant them uh, under argon gas, the same as you would with um, like a, a Coravan, which I'm sure probably many of your listeners know about, um, using the argon gas to uh, decant, but then also keep the wine um, in, uh, you know, good shape for, you know, later use as well. Um, but we needed to do that on a larger scale than we, um, you know, than you can do with the Coravan because they do take some time to <laughs> decant um, even just, you know, 100 mils. Um, so my very clever brother, Jeremy, sort of came up with a bit of a, a system with um, kegs and argon and, yeah, we sort of gave birth to a new way to people experience the Celador virtually um, and we just kind of focus on the three different ranges that we have uh, within the Scarborough sort of wine family. And um, I think initially, um, last lockdown, um, back in 2020, it was, I think, because it was a, a new idea, a new concept, um, you know, it got a, a sort of a little bit of a move on, um, but wasn't hugely popular um, but what we decided when we reopened the cellar door after that lockdown of, of three months so that um, our staff could safely sort of interact with customers um, and also you know 
people, well, I, just essentially the smooth running in sort of, you know, times which were a bit unsure as to what we were walking into. And we knew that it'd be a really busy time in the Hunter Valley when um, we could open our doors again. So we uh, decided to move that concept back into the cellar door at the time. So, you know, have the little tasting bottles which people could come in um, and experience um, as you normally would. And I guess we were then in a really good place uh, because we'd continued that um, sort of post-shutdown um, to then reinstate it when we went back into, well, Sydney went back into lockdown um, five weeks ago. And the response this time has been absolutely amazing. Um, I think people are a lot more adjusted to to the idea of, um, you know, being at home and trying to find fun experiences and ways to interact with their friends and family, but also um, the brands that they love. Um, and the response that we have had this time uh, in the last five weeks has been just absolutely phenomenal. And that's meant a lot of things to us. We're obviously still interacting with our customers. Um, but it also means that, you know, many of my staff, we've we've been able to um, keep them on well, which has been a really, um, you know, important part of um, the whole tasting experience as well. Well, it's hardly surprising after listening to all of that that you win the Hunter Valley Cellador of the Year this year. I'm <laughs> I, I'm assuming that that does attribute greatly to it. Although I have had your experience uh, at both of your Cellador's in the Hunter multiple times, more than I should probably actually admit. Um, and uh, to me, there was no surprise that you won it. But that would have been a, a a huge attribute to it. That's a again the the innovation. Your 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 actually you know, gratifying uh, Jeremy, your brother, for coming up with it um, and allowing your thought process to really uh, uh, to be able to be implemented. But that's great teamwork and it speaks volume for you guys as a family. And it's, it's, it's really just puts the truth behind the Scarborough family wines and, and what you put into it is a, um, it's a family and a team, team job, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think after the you know year of 2020 for our Celador team to be awarded um Celador of the year was just amazing it was exactly what the team needed um it was it, yeah it, it just allowed them to sort of sit back and really feel proud and recognise that what they've done and what we've done as a, you know, a whole family, wine family, um, it just gave them a chance to just really recognise that what we'd been doing was um, uh, something which had just, I guess, given joy to a lot of people um, and to know, like, under those kind of restrictions to come back and build a tasting experience which um, meant that uh, staff were safe, customers were safe and then come out on top of that with Cellador of the Year was absolutely amazing actually. The, the whole night when we, um, the Hunter Valley Legends Awards, Wine Legends Awards was a bit of a blur to be totally honest. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it was Sal. Yeah, well, we just, um, it was, you know, we'd, we'd hope that we'd win Salador of the Year. You, you always enter those things hoping that you will be recognised and 
um, you know, for the team, that was amazing. But then sort of the roll-on of awards after that as well, um, yeah, the whole night became a bit of a, a blur in a good way. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was just exactly what the team needed after what had been a, a really difficult year. For sure. And uh, by the way, I'm... <laughs> I love how humble you're being because you're not actually, you know, mentioning any of the awards I am. So uh, I guess you're leaving up to me to mention that your <laughs> mum was admitted into the Hall of Fame this year. That was just a small little thing you forgot to mention. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, um, uh, gosh, it was, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy time. Um, I mean, I guess that sort of shows where um, all of this sort of drive comes from originally um you know we are very much a family owned and operated business um and if it wasn't for mum and dad sort of really I guess setting the tone really early in the early days as to how they wanted to present themselves and be as a business um we wouldn't be where we are now and mum being recognized um as a hunter valley tourism legend was um just amazing amazing for her i mean i think also uh there haven't been many women who have been uh, recognized in the hunter valley legends awards and so it was really amazing to see mum uh amongst all of those legends who have already been named that's fabulous i mean she was also awarded the same um ian riggs was also from broken woods was also awarded that year well this year um so I think that the things that mum and mum and dad especially put in place, which they had really, I mean, you mentioned earlier sort of me living in the Napa. I mean, a lot of the ideas and, and concepts um, of wine tourism over there, mum and dad have been able to really sort of look at that in the um, late 90s and see how things were happening there and bring the concepts which worked for us back. And that really created the base for, you know, where we are now. Um, but it was just, it was really special to see mum especially awarded for that on the night. Yeah, like I said, it was a bit of a blur. It was pretty crazy. Well, what a sensational uh, roundup. And um, I'm sorry, but I'm very happy that it happened at a time where it could have been done all in person in a venue. Um, so we actually haven't really, because your stories have been so great, there's been so much to uh, to talk about, we've hardly touched on the whole the whole point of Chardonnay, which is what um which is what you guys are very famous for. And as uh, you have mentioned, you know, you, you learn a lot when you're over in the Napa. And I, as a very big fan of Scarborough Chardonnay, you know, your flagship yellow label Chardonnay is a constant in either my fridge or on my table or in my car when I'm going to go to someone's place. So I've always found it, it is quite similar. The reason I love it is it it, it, it brings home those yummy Napa, Canero, Sonoma sort of style, that nice rich, rich oak, lots of vanilla. And, and um, I, I love that style. And that seems to be what you base yours on. But of course, you do have the different ranges. Um, and you've got a range called the Obsessive Range. So what's what's the Obsessive Chardonnay about? So the obsessive Chardonnay, well, the obsessive range itself is about um, single vineyard wines. So looking at a particular site year in, year out and seeing, you know, that sort of real DNA of a vineyard. 
Um, so the obsessive Chardonnay comes off our original uh, Gillard's Road property, um, which is the property which, um, you know, we first purchased back in the mid-70s. It was um, actually originally a, a Hungerford Hill property at that time. Um, it has really unusual soils, I guess, for the hunter itself. It's right up on a hilltop, um, you know, really rich red soils. And I guess um, what we've found as um, vines have matured and um, we've had, you know, over 30 years to really play with the style which is coming off that vineyard, um, we really decided to um, sort of, I guess, zero in or sort of focus in on what that vineyard itself could do. So uh, what we do with the obsessive Chardonnay, which is actually um, named after my dad, Ian Scarborough, it's a bit of a homage to him. Um, he's, you know, definitely his, I guess, more obsessive nature has allowed us to get to this point, you know, 32 years as a, as a family run business. Um, and that wine really is, it's, um, we're taking the sort of the best parcels of fruit off that, um, property for the style that we're making um it's a hundred percent new french oak um in the smaller um bariques which i know is sometimes sort of um you know currently uh, i get not um poo-pooed but you know we 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 love to throw in some big lashings of new french oak with that but that really um, balances itself with the the fruit that we're taking off that property. Um, it's generally a property where we're picking fruit uh, the fruit off there quite early, so it's still maintaining some really lovely um, fruit acid to it as well. And it's a style which um, is really made for cellaring. So currently, our you know our current release in the in the cellar door of that is a, a twenty eighteen, but um, the museum release that we've got out there at the moment is the twenty sixteen, and that's just really singing at the moment. So it is a I guess a more tightly structured wine as a as a younger wine, but has potential for for great cellaring. Sure. So how long would you put uh, so the the museum twenty sixteen down for, and how long would you put the eighteen down for? So we find that, um, I guess, kind of like Hunter Semyon, you know, these wines can be really vintage um, dependent. Um, but the 18, I think, you know, you could put down for at least another five to six years. The 16, I think, is drinking beautifully at the moment. It's starting to show some real richness, some of that sort of tighter fruit acid has sort of dropped away. Um, but, you know, definitely another three to five years um, with the with the 16 in particular. Right. Well, I think it's actually really important that people do sometimes here. I think what happens is you're okay. So with a certain vintage, you know, an 18 actually seems quite, quite, quite old now. Um, people know that a Chardonnay can be put down. They know that a Semillon can be put down. But I think quite often, I, I have people at least asking me often, how long should it be put down? And I think it's just, it's great for people to know uh, what sort of, uh, I guess, age range it really is when the peak drinking is and um, and what you can do with it if you've got the storage. So it's, uh, it's people, they all know that. Yeah. Um, 
I think that, um, you know, the best thing is to, I mean, obviously most winemakers, well, not maybe not the winemakers are contactable, but most vineyards, um, you know, are keeping those notes up to date. And I think all you need to do is sort of pick up the phone or send an email. But I just, yeah, I think just keeping in mind that vintage, um, it, it's so dependent on the vintage and the growing conditions, I think, as to the longevity of particular vintages. Yeah, no, for sure. Look, Sal, we've just run out of time. I want to thank you so much. I know Simon will as well. Um, Your stories have been fantastic. And, uh, you know, your family, it's just, you know, what what stories you've got. And congratulations (laughs) on a sensational year, guys. So I'm going to let you go and enjoy your Sunday. And um, I'll say, Simon, thank you so much for having me on the show again. I love it. Uh, Sal, I hope to see you in The Hunter in the near future. Oh, I hope so. I'm looking forward to seeing lots of people in The Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Same. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Jill. Thanks, Jill.